Hello everyone, this is Dr. Selena Bartlett. I'm a neuroscientist and I run a lab at QUT at the Translational Research Institute. Welcome to the Shining Mind podcast. So the next series um, in the podcast is all is about healing the brain. I'm going to be talking to you about why I love chocolate strawberries and other adventures in neuroplasticity. So I hope you enjoyed um, the next set of episodes. Uh, and it's kind of going to be part of um, a process where I am going to start to write a book about this because I think it's really interesting. Um, so, how much are we really able to change? If you ask most people, they will tell you that you can't teach an old dog new tricks, that it's impossible, that you're just like your uncle and your aunt and your father and your mother, etc. But I like to question that and ask, and I basically spend every day thinking about this. So what do you think? How much are you actually able to change? So attempting to do things that I do not think are impossible, like becoming a neuroscientist, that was definitely not in my sights when I was 10 years of age, being fit in my 50s, starting a podcast and falling in love again. I didn't think any of those things were possible, but I was wrong. And basically I've discovered that most things I think are wrong. So my mentors are actually people that are exploring this at much significant greater lengths than myself. They're walking across Antarctica in record time. They run marathons in all 195 countries of the world. Um, they sit in ice for two hours and many others that show we have really untapped potential for change and for health and for happiness. So one thing for certain, the chances of being born and alive listening to this podcast are really, really slim. And it's really such a short time that we're alive in the whole history of time. So it's vital that we work out ways to evolve out of this old stressed out part of the brain. It's really that old, the nervous system. It started out like the first records are really from stardust from the beginning of life. And the more you realize that we are nowhere near as intelligent as we could be, that we've evolved simply from animals and plants and that there's this unlimited potential for all of us to find and explore. Basically, I wanna bring that to you. Um, and the podcast and books and all of these new ways are just so fabulous. And we're in this amazing time in history where we have like digital technology and education like we've never had it before. We have brain imaging technology where we can actually demonstrate for the first time how you can actually change your brain. We taught for so long that you couldn't do that, that that's kind of become the dogma. And we were really totally wrong about that. So my mission to become a neuroscientist started because my sister was sitting catatonic in a chair in, a, in the corner of a dark, smelly room in the middle of a psychiatric lockup ward in Brisbane in 1989. And that mission has now since morphed into a personal quest to unlock my brain's potential by applying neuroplasticity to disrupt the way we view and treat mental health. And as I stood next to my sister, helplessly watching that haloperidol needle get inserted into her arm, the only thought in my head at that time was, we clearly know nothing about how the brain works. Because, quite simply, how can hearing voices and a very non-violent person end up stiff as a board in a lockup facility taken out of the care of her family? It simply does not make sense. And this is my first encounter with anyone with a mental illness or any hospitals. And I had just turned 24 at the time 
and was in the middle of completing my honours degree in pharmacy. So this particular day, my honours project at the time, why people buy cough and cold medicines in a pharmacy, is superfluous to understanding how the brain works. And this momentous day changed every direction of my life projected at that point. So the plan was to become a practicing pharmacist and open pharmacies for women to own. However, at the end of 1989, after completing my degree, I vowed to completely change course and learn how to use pipette and start a PhD in neuropharmacology. So this started the journey into understanding how the brain works. This was one of the best decisions of my life and continues to be the most extraordinary journey. It wakes me up every morning with delight. Every day feels like the most exciting day to be alive. Of course, it was not always like this. In fact, there were many days when I could not get out of bed myself. I have learned a lot about the brain over the last 30 years. A lot of that is quite shocking and extraordinary all at the same time. And we, we are all around the world learning a lot about the brain every day, but at the same time, there are some very, very fundamental things to understand that can help steer the brain in a way better direction than you realize. It can ease a lot of pain and suffering, and there's just way too much suffering. So I hope my story lifts and helps you understand how important it is to think about the brain as a muscle that requires training and needs to get fit. Mental strength is no different to physical strength. And with practice and effort, it can be toned and shaped. So as you know, the aim of my podcast and most things I'm doing in my life is to take you on this journey. And I was the last person ever to, that was expected to become a neuroscientist. But with training and effort and showing up every day, even in the worst mental pain, I've learned a lot about the brain and working alongside extraordinary people tapping into brain power. The likes of David Goggins, Wim Hof and many others in history Alex Luria from Russia, Barbara Arrowsmith-Young from Canada, and so many other mentors throughout my life. So there are decades and centuries more to learn, and neuroplasticity, genomics, engineering, machine learning, medicine are going to change the way we treat and train the brain. In my lifetime, people training their brain like a muscle, instead of focus, focusing on its weaknesses, has been the greatest opportunity to change the mental health space I have ever encountered. What I have learnt after 30 years of our stories have been etched and carved as memories, tracks and traces into the wires of the brain. And reflecting back, but for a moment, it becomes clearer how the stories shape and direct our lives. The more I've learnt about the brain, the more it became clear that the brain has learnt and become conditioned to learn and retell generations worth of these stories. So the only way to get into its untapped potential is to rewire the stressed out, unevolved part of the brain. So I think it's now time that we start to talk about brain. Okay, so let's start about the first journey in the brain health and fitness. First of all, we have to meet the brain. So there's many parts of this precision tool and there's just three major parts that kind of play a big role that we can kind of get on top of and one of them is the rational brain, what we like to think of as the thinking part of the brain. It's really the most human part of the brain. This part of the brain helps you make decisions, helps you learn new things, speak and write. It's also the origin of feelings of love, empathy and compassion. The head and the heart may not be so far apart after all. The second part is the emotional part of the brain and this is where I get the term MIG from or MIGI. Um, it's, it's this part of the brain that really does play a 
large role in keeping us safe. It's always looking out for threats. It's also where fear, anxiety and stress originate. Also sometimes pleasure and love. It really is in this part of the brain that habits and routines live and are set up. And these habits and routines are not just set up in your lifetime, but from many previous lifetimes. And then there's the brain stem coming up out of the spinal cord, the survival part of the brain. This is, this is a place where many systems run on autopilot. Um, it's responsible for vital functions like heart rate and respiration. Can you think of the last time you had to consciously think, okay, heart, time to beat? Neither can I. And this is because the survival part of the brain does it for you. However, there's greater and greater evidence that we can also train this part of the brain. All you have to do is look up some the amazing work of Wim Hof to understand that he has managed to tap into this survival part of the brain. He's been able to consciously control his own temperature, heart rate, breathing, and survive many, many conditions that we thought were impossible, like swimming under ice sheets. Here's a prime example of really extreme neuroplasticity in action, someone that has rethought how the brain works. But we have come a really long way from our caveman days, but in some ways react in much the same way as our ancestors, and particularly when it comes to stress. So you may have heard of the fight or flight response. This was to allow our ancestors to quickly respond to a predator, like a woolly mammoth or a saber-toothed tiger. So why we are highly unlikely to encounter these today, our brains still respond to stressful situations in much the same way. So let's imagine a scenario like a stressful situation. Well, if thinking or the rational part of the brain responds, you may make a rational reasoned response to the source of stress. However, if MIG responds, the emotional part of the brain, you choose between two extremes, fight or flight or freeze in some cases, or seek, and then consequently seek comfort foods or drinks to alleviate that stress to help us calm down. So immediately you can see it's a simple equation. And this is the key takeaway from this lesson. In a stressful situation, if the MIG turns on, the thinker turns off. That's right, the bottom part of the brain always wins out and shuts down the prefrontal cortex the top part of the brain so phrases like force or habit or even idioms like you can't teach an old dog new tricks hint at just how powerful the mig response can be but this does not mean you are stuck with your caveman brain no this is the beautiful thing about neuroplasticity much like the repeated breakup line it's not you it's me in stressful situations you can honestly say it's not me it's my brain in other words the way you react to stress depends on how your brain is wired an analogy would be if you sprained your ankle, you would not berate yourself for being unable to run a marathon. You would recognize that something needs to change before it is possible for you to complete that task. Yet when we struggle to break a habit or resolve to eat healthy or go to the gym, we don't attribute failing to do these things to wiring of the brain. We often attribute it to some kind of moral failing, like I'm lazy, I'm not trying hard enough, I'm just like my auntie, my mother, or my father. You can imagine how I could overcome my sprained ankle if I just tried hard enough. Now that would be ridiculous. So the second key takeaway, it's not you, it's your brain. And it's your brain that's been wired over hundreds and de hundreds of years and centuries. So now that you've become familiar with these concepts of thinker and me, you can learn two new terms that help differentiate between what is hardwired and what can be rewired in your brain. So genetics, 
This is the brain you're actually born with. It's a precision tool straight out of the box with factory settings. Epigenetics. These are your life experiences, your social environment that your brain goes, grows up in. These lessons are learned throughout your life. So how do we go about breaking these old habits, some of the habits that we were born with? It's not even our fault. And I like to call these terms biohacking. And one really simple way immediately is for you to smile at someone. And if they smile back, the exercise is complete and just repeat that every day. I know it sounds simplistic, but when a person smiles back at you, they are literally mirroring your action. But there's also something happening in both of your brains. Mirror neurons activate and boost positive neurochemicals in your brain and in the brain of the lucky recipient of your smile. How simple is that? And that's the beauty. The simplest, simplest things add up to be something magnificent. And then as we further venture into neuroplasticity, we start to implement bigger and better tools, ones where we activate fine motor neurons. And we're doing this through uh, mobile app technology that I'm, we're currently building, where we are able to activate fine motor neurons, which activate the premotor cortex and rebuild the cognition that's been lost from stress. And that's for another, another lesson and another day. But just know that the brain has a massive untapped potential for change. You can teach an old dog new tricks. Until next time, over and out, Dr. Selena Bartlett, giving you brain in action.